St. John chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, very familiar scriptures. As the Bible said, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to preach and teach this morning for a little while on the order of last day events that's going to take place. The order of last day events that's going to take place. You see, many people in the world around us are looking at what's taking place in society with an awe and an anxious heart that's saying, what's going to happen next? I can't believe the things that are going on in the world around us. I can't believe how the economy has taken the turn. I can't believe all of the wars and all the rumors of wars and all the tragedies that we read about and we hear on the news telecast that's going on around us. The atmosphere is charged with expectation and a tenseness uh, that's gripped the hearts of humanity. You see, but I must ask this question. Do you realize the things that are taking place in the world around us are not happening by chance or by accident? None of the things that's going on right now is a surprise to God or wasn't part of the plan or was an accident but that the things that are taking place around us are the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. You see, in His Word, the Bible, God has outlined how when these things and these events would take place, and this is God's program, and things must happen in a chronological order that God intended, and that He moved upon the men of God to bring forth prophecy to forewarn those believers that would believe in the Bible down through the ages of time. You see, the last days of human history are about to be written, but there are events that must take place before the end of the world let us study today and let us look at the events as we begin to take them but one by one and see what's about to take place you see while the world around us is aware that something is about to happen that's going to change the lives that they're living forever and that there's never going that things are never going to be the same the saints of God who study and believe upon the word of God don't have to guess about what's going to happen because God in his word has written out and given us the events that's going to take place in the world to come and here is the order of events that they're outlined in the Word of God. The first event is the personal return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. The next event is the arise of the Antichrist. Then the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon, Christ's return to the earth, the millennial reign of Christ and Satan's last fling, the great white throne judgment and a new heaven and a new earth. For this is a brief outline of the order of events that's going to take place between now and the end of the world. You see, in order for us to get a better picture of what's going to take place, I want us to take the next few minutes to study and look at these one by one as we begin to search out the Scripture. When we look at it, the first event we want to look at is the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by imminent return, I mean that he could come back at any moment for the church. There's nothing 
nothing that has to be fulfilled at this point that would hinder Jesus Christ from stepping out on those eastern skies and taking the church out of here and us going home to be with the Lord. There's nothing that's got to take place. Everything has been fulfilled up to this point. You see, his coming will be the fulfillment of the promises of the prophets of Christ himself and of the angels. When we look at it, we'll find there was many promises from the prophets, but one in particular was in Habakkuk 2 and 3. He said, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end of the... Of the at the end it will speak and it will not lie and though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry the Lord Jesus Christ himself promised us in John chapter 14 verse 3 1 through 3 he said let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you and I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I'll come again and receive you unto my Myself, that where I am there you may be also he said I am coming and I've been preparing a place I'm going to come again and when I come I'm going to receive you unto myself so that where I am you may be also you see not only did Christ promise that I'll come again but as he departed from the earth the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 as this was the promise of the angels that appeared to the men there as Acts chapter 1 verse 10 said while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel who also said men of Galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven this same Jesus who was taken from you unto heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven you see the apostle Paul tells us what will take place as the Lord returns in first Thessalonians chapter 4 we find here in verse 16 he said for the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord he said I'm not sending back an angel I'm not sending back a servant I'm not sending somebody else back but the Lord Jesus Christ himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ is going to come out of the grave the tombs are going to be opened every person that died in knowing Jesus Christ no matter where they are no matter what happened to them I've had people come to me and say well what do you what do you think about this their body was destroyed their limbs were, were separated from their body. Well, how, how do you think that's going to happen? I believe that when Jesus steps out and that voice of the archangel roars and the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise, every part of their body, every atom, every being that is that was lost from their body or separated is going to come back just like it was. I don't care what happened or where it is, it's going to happen. And then we're all going to be 
caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and there shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, some morning, evening, or at night, Christ is going to appear in the midair, and his church will disappear from this whole world without a notice and without an announcement, without any warning it's going to take place. You see, just before God closed the pages of the Holy Word, he inspired John to write in Revelations 22 and 20. He said, surely I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Can you get that in your spirit? Just in the blink of an eye, Jesus could be stepping out on the clouds of glory right now, right this very moment, and the church could be gone in the twinkling of an eye, and we could be in heaven with the Lord. It's an exciting time for the church. You see, the second event that we want to look at this morning is the rise of the Antichrist and the tribulation period. The next event after the church has been raptured out of the world will be the rise of the Antichrist. Now, no doubt the Antichrist is already in the world today. He is already alive in existence and in power somewhere right now, this very moment. But he will not be revealed until after the church has been taken out of the world. We know that and we can look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, which says, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. When you look at the first part of this verse and it emphasizes and then. This gives reference to the church first being taken out of the world through the rapture and then the wicked one would be revealed. You see, the Antichrist will be a ruler who will gain prominence as a world leader through the power of Satan. For Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9, he said, The coming of the wicked one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. When he comes into power, when he comes into authority, he's going to receive power from Satan. He's going to do signs and wonders, and there's going to be people that are going to be deceived, and they're going to look at him, and they're going to exalt him as a God. They're going to say he has to be God, or he wouldn't be able to do the things that he's doing. He wouldn't be able to perform these miracles, but all this power is nothing but a hoax. Simultaneously with the rise of the Antichrist will be the beginning of the tribulation called the day of God's rebuke or the day of the Lord. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, he said, For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor ever shall be. The tribulation will be a time of unparalleled distress and woe. It'll be a time of horrors and famines and trials and woes and plagues and wars. For these things will, ex will, will ex exist with such intensity, with such dramatic power that it's never been seen or known to human beings before what's going to take place during the tribulation period. You see, this period of tribulation is going to last on the earth for seven years. 
It's going to last for seven years. There's going to be a three and a half year period where everything is going to seem like that it's wonderful, it's good, it's great. This, the Antichrist is going to be on the scene. Everything's going to, have, going to be good. He's going to be doing things. The world's going to be at peace. Everybody's going to think the Savior of the world has come. But then in three and a half years pass, all of a sudden it's going to hit. And I can't begin to tell you how bad it's going to be. But as for the church, I am glad to report this morning that I'm not going to be here and if you're a born again believer you're not going to be here because we're already going to be raptured out when this thing takes place the third event we want to look at this morning is the battle of Armageddon now the tribulation will wind, will wind up in one of the bloodiest battles that humanity has ever known this battle will come to an abrupt end when Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven sitting on a white horse with his eyes of fiery flame with crowns of gold upon his head and a name that no man knows but himself clothed with a vesture dipped in blood the armies in heaven following him upon white horses he brings the battle to a naught with a sharp sword that goes out of his mouth that will quickly smite the nation and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. There is not time to read every verse that describes the events that's going to take place during the battle of Armageddon, but if you want to go back and read it yourself, you can find it in Revelations chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. You see, the prophet Zechariah also tells of this event. Zechariah told us in chapter 14 verse 3 he said then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battles for this event is called the revelation of Jesus Christ to the second coming I want you to realize something this morning that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is one event but yet there's two parts we don't get this in our minds sometimes it's one event, but it has two parts. The first thing is that, we, that he will come to catch away the living and the dead saints to meet him in there. This is called the rapture. This is where the church, we're going to be out of here. Then seven years later, he's coming back with his saints uh, to terminate the battle of Armageddon, to cast the beast uh, and the false prophets into the lake of the burning fire with brimstone, uh, to have the devil cast in to the bottomless pit. He's coming back twice. The first time he comes, he's coming to rapture the dead saints uh, and those that are alive will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we're going to be caught up in the air to meet him and we're going to ever be with the Lord. The tribulation is going to come. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene. Tribulation is going to hit. It's going to be lasting for seven years. It's going to wind up in the battle of Armageddon. And at that time, Jesus is coming back. But he's not coming back as a lamb. He's not coming back with mercy. He's not coming back with grace. He's coming back to do war with the devil. He's coming back to defeat the Antichrist. He's coming back with the saints of God. And we're we're going to be riding with him on white horses and we're going to be empowered with the anointing of God to come back and to end this thing once and for all. He's coming back. You see, Jesus said that this would happen after the tribulation. 
He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29 and 30, he said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now this verse up until just recently, kind of boggled my mind. I couldn't wrap my mind around what it was talking about. When he said, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth, or the people of the earth, are going to mourn. And I thought about, why are they going to mourn? What's the time frame of this? Why, what's happening? What's going to take place? Why will all the tribes of the earth mourn when Christ returned in all of his glory? And then it began to hit me, and the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. He said, they will mourn because they will see beyond any question that Christ is the Son of God, and they missed Him. There won't be any more guesswork. At that point, when He returns in His glory to finish up this thing at the Battle of Armageddon, they're going, the nations are going to see Him. You see, when the rapture takes place, it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye without a sound, without any warning, unless you're a born-again believer. You're not going to hear or know. You're just all of a sudden going to be talking to somebody, and if they're a born-again believer, they're going to be gone. You're going to be having a conversation with somebody on the phone, and if they're a born-again believer, they're going to be gone. There's people that's going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye and the world is not going to see it until the people come up missing. But when Jesus comes back in his glory the nations, every eye every knee will bow, every eye will behold that Jesus is the son of God. He's coming back in his glory with all power and he's going to reign with kings. They'll mourn because they will see beyond any question that Christ is the Son of God. They'll realize that they ignored, neglected, rejected, abused, and cursed Him. They will know that they have missed His salvation, that they are going to be judged. They will wail and mourn because of the terrible judgment which is to be inflicted upon them. Every person has a choice. You can mourn now with a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, or you can mourn when Christ returns because of the condemnation of eternal punishment that He's about to speak on your life. We have a choice. We can be sorrowful with repentance now and have mercy and grace, or we can keep doing what we're doing and ignoring God, and we can mourn then, and we'll know then for sure that we should have done something a long time ago, and we missed the mark. The fourth event we want to look at is the millennial reign of Christ. You see, following this event will be the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ and the thousand-year reign of righteousness upon the earth. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now the devil will be bound. The beast and the false prophets will be cast into the lake of fire. The saints shall have the reins of the government and the prayer of the church shall come to pass. That was talked about in Matthew 6 and 10 
when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The entire world will be at peace. Poverty will be vanished from the earth. Revelations 20 and 7 said, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. But yet a thousand year confinement to the bottomless pit does not change Satan's nature. The same rebellious Satan who said, I will ascend and be like the most high God and I will make myself ascend and sit upon the throne and I will attempt and I will defeat the plan of God. This same rebellious Satan that spent a thousand years bound in the bottomless pit will be released one more time. It did not change him. Revelations 20 and 8 says, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together in battle. And, and he gathers a tremendous army together and he surrounds the camp of the saints, the beloved city. But God destroys them with fire from heaven and casts the devil into the lake of fire where the beasts and the false prophets are. You think about this. There's going to be a thousand year reign of peace upon the earth. Poverty is going to be gone. We're going to be in the power and the presence and the glory of God day in and day out, night in and night out. Everything's going to be at peace. But yet the end of the thousand year reign, Satan's going to be loose one more time. He's going to come upon the earth. He's going to fool many nations. He's going to create a, a massive army that's going to try to convince him. He's going to convince them they can defeat God. They can overthrow the, the, the throne room of God. They can overthrow the power of God. And they're going to plan an attack. But yet when they plan an attack and they surround the holy city Jerusalem and they surround the holy city where God's at when they surround it God's not going to send Jesus out to fight the battle anymore the saints are not going he's going to let fire consume them from heaven just like he did in the days of old and Satan's going to be defeated and then he's going to be cast into the lake of fire that burns in brimstone and fire and he's going to spend eternity there in torment The fifth event that we want to look at is the great white throne judgment. After the millennial reign, then follows the resurrection of the wicked dead. Revelations 20 and 5 said, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. We've already had the thousand-year millennial reign where there's peace on the earth. Poverty's gone. We're living in the glory of God. Satan's been loosed from the bottomless pit, creates the, the army to come against God. God sends fire from heaven, consumes him. He's cast into the lake of fire. But then at this time, all the people that died not knowing God, not accepting Jesus Christ, are going to be resurrected. At the end of the millennial reign, the wicked dead will be resurrected to stand before the great white throne judgment of God. Revelations 20 verse 11 said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, there was found no place for them. 
I saw the dead and the small and great stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. Verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Now, the last enemy to be conquered is death. The Word of God said that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verse 24, he said, Then cometh the end, and when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule, all authority, and all power, for he must reign till he had put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That's the last enemy that's going to be defeated. The dead saints, the, the dead Sinners that died not knowing God's going to be resurrected. They're going to stand before the judgment of God. And then the book of life is going to be opened. When he goes down and begins to read the list, if their name is not there, then he's going to say, Depart from me, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And then they're going to be cast in the lake of fire. They're going to spend eternity in torment. But at that point... Death is going to be conquered. Death is going to be vanished away. Death is going to be defeated. The sixth event that we're going to look at is the new heavens and the new earth. God will purify this old earth with fire. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11 said, Seeing then that all these things shall be resolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens bring on fire, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness." When the earth's activities come to an end, God shall set up an eternal headquarters for the saints upon the earth, according to the Apostle John. In Revelations chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, he said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So you see, my friend, God... God has the future outlined, and one who uses the Bible as his roadmap or his blueprint has a guide to know what's going to take place. God did not leave any surprises. He has gave us instructions of what's going to take place. When you think about this, and you think about it from the, from the point of view of, of, of a sinner that's lost, that don't know God, it breaks our heart, it makes us want to mourn, it makes us sad, it makes us down and out. But yet, when you think about it from the point of view of a born-again believer that knows Jesus Christ, that your sins have been forgiven, I encourage you this morning to not let this be a depressing state, but look up, because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is about to come back. The rapture's about to to take place. This thing is about to wind up and to wind down. But I want to mention if you're here this morning and you're lost I want to put you on standby and I want to put you on warning right now that eternal destruction is lurking at your doorstep and you stand on the brink of disaster. 
You're standing on the edge of eternity facing judgment of Almighty God. At that point, there will be no other opportunity to repent, no opportunity to make things right. At that moment, and that time, it's going to be too late. All of the events that's coming upon these last days are going to be already fulfilled and finished. And as you stand before God, and He opens the book, and He looks through the list of names with all of the words and the deeds that you've said and done from the time you took your first breath till you took your last, is all going to be recorded right there in the book of life. I want you to think about it this morning. When the book is opened, what's the book going to have in it about your life? What's going to be there beside your name? Is your name going to be even found there? And is God going to bring out another book with another list, and is he going to begin to read off all of the opportunities that you heard gospel messages and the Spirit tugged at your heart, and God tried to get you to repent of your sins, and you said, no, not today. I still have too many things to do, too many places to go, too many things that I want to accomplish. I've got plenty of time. I'll, I'll, I'll make things right with God down the road. I'll make things right with God later. Right now, I'm just living in the fast lane. Friend, living in the fast lane can make you miss the rapture. Living in the fast lane can make you miss eternal life. If there's ever been a time that we need to examine ourselves, if there's ever been a time that we need to make sure that our walk with God is where it's supposed to be. Now, I'm going to say this. Now, we, we can look at it honestly or we can fool ourselves. We can keep telling ourselves it's all right to keep doing what we're doing, and I don't have to be a part of a church, and I don't have to read my Bible, and I don't have to ask forgiveness, and I don't have to ask for repentance, and I don't have to support God's kingdom work. I don't have to be a part of nothing. I can just keep on going doing my own thing, and I'm going to be fine. I'll watch my TV preachers at home, and I'll read my Bible when I want to, and when it's convenient, and it feels like it, I'll kick the dust off of it and I might read a verse or two every three or four months and I'll be fine you know you don't worry about me well honey I got news for you you're not going to be fine but when we're standing before God and God looks at you and says depart from me you worker of iniquity because I never knew you at that very moment we're going to wish we had been a part of the church we're going to wish we had heard more gospel messages that encouraged our faith. We're going to wish we would have listened when people tried to grab a hold of our heart and draw us into the body of Christ and draw us into salvation. We're going to wish that we would have listened to that evangelist that preached that, that evangelistic message that tugged at our heart and the Holy Ghost gripped us and we sat there and we shook and our knuckles turned white where we grabbed the back of the pew in front of us and but yet we still resisted and we said, No, God, I've got too many things to do. I'm having too much fun in life. I've got too many things 
ahead of me. I ain't got time to be an old fogey Christian. Honey, I'd rather be an old fogey Christian and saved and know that I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord than I had to forget about God and spend eternity in torment and, and, and hell and going through all kinds of things that you can't even begin to fathom. And I want to go ahead and clarify this. Anybody that thinks being a Christian is old fogey and can't have any fun and life is over, you've got the wrong concept of Christianity anyway. I've had more fun since I've been saved and been a Christian than I ever did when I was in the world and didn't have the overhanging results the next morning. Church, if we're ever in a time that we need to realize this thing's wrapping up, it's here. I know just thinking in our mind, we think things are always going to be the way it's always been. We think that life is going to just exist the way it always has. There's never going to be any change. We think we can elect Nitt Romney or we can elect President Obama back into office and they're going to fix everything and everything's going to be okay. I've got a news flash for you and I'm not promoting anybody to vote for either one of these guys, but it don't matter who put, they put in office, they're not going to stop what's coming. It don't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. This is coming no matter what Washington does. This is coming no matter what Congress and the Senate decides to pass as law or not pass as law. They're not going to stop what God's already set in place. It's going to happen. And how we fare through that is up to us by making a decision in our life whether we're really going to get sincere with God and be a Christian or are we going to have one leg out of the church, one leg in the church, and we're going to be lukewarm, and we're going to be hot sometimes and cold the majority of the time? And you know what the, what the Bible said would happen? I'd spew you out of my mouth. God's not interested in lukewarm. He wants you to be totally committed or not committed at all. That's the only choices there are. You're either in or you're out. There is no straddle the fence. It's either all the way or no way. And now is the time that we need to be making a choice in our life whether we're really sincere and we really know God like we should or we need to admit to ourselves there's some things in my life I've got to get fixed, I've got to get right. And I want to say this. Don't let the devil deceive you and tell you that you've got to go and get all that fixed before you repent and come to God and get serious with God. If that's what you're thinking, the devil will cause enough trials, problems, and discouragements in your life, you'll never get them all fixed. You can't fix you. God's the only one that can fix you. God's not looking for somebody perfect. He's looking for somebody that's willing to have a repentant heart. And when we're willing to humble ourselves and say, God, here I am. I know I'm a mess. I know I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect by any means, by any measure. I've made a lot of bad choices. I've brought a lot of things on my own self. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. But, God, if you'll take me, here I am. 
And when we come to God with that kind of an attitude, that's when God's mercy and grace is extended into the heart of men. Salvation rushes in like a flood. The Holy Spirit begins to anoint and move, and people's lives are changed. But today, we've got a decision to make. The last day events are here upon us, and they're coming, whether you believe them or not. Would you stand with me this morning all over the house? I want to ask you to just close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. As the Lord began to deal with my heart this week about this, I had mixed emotions. I was excited about the move of God that we were seeing in revival. I was seeing excited about what God's doing, but yet on the other hand, I've never been a prophecy preacher. I've never been a preacher that preached in depth of revelations but the Holy Spirit began to quicken my heart and every time I tried to go a different direction God always brought me back to here and the Holy Spirit began to quicken my heart and began to deal with my spirit and he said these last days are coming and they're coming quickly and if you as the shepherd of the flock don't warn the congregation and warn the lost souls of the people of your community. You will stand before me and judgment will come upon your life for their blood will be upon you. I don't want to preach doom and gloom. I try my best every time I enter the pulpit to preach a message of hope and power and victory that we can be people that live on top of the blessings of God and not beneath but this morning I come to you with a burdened heart because I'm afraid that if the rapture took place right now that there would be people standing in this congregation that when the rapture took place would still be standing simply because you've let things hinder your walk and your relationship with God. You've let things stand between you and other people. You've refused to repent. You've refused to apologize. You've refused to forget the past. You've refused to let go of hurts and disappointments. And whether you believe it or not, those things are the things that's going to make you miss the rapture. And church, there's nothing that would excite me anymore as for the rapture to take place and know that everybody that's part of our church has gone to heaven. If there would ever be a more fulfilling thing for a pastor to know that everybody that was part of his congregation made it, Brother Jeff, that would be a great consolation. So I ask you this morning with a heavy heart to search your heart and ask yourself, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you where you need to be with God? How are you going to face all of these events that we've talked about if you're not ready? 
How are you going to deal with the tribulation period when you're going to have to wind up taking a mark in your forehead or your hand to be able to buy food, to buy and sell, to do anything, to exist? How, how are you going to deal with all that? My answer to that is, is don't have to, you don't have to deal with it if you're right with God. If you'll repent, if you'll ask God to forgive you for your sins and make sure you're saved and you're ready to go, you ain't got to worry about it. So this morning, I ask you to search your heart. Where are you standing with God this morning? I want us right now, every head bowed, every eye shut, I want to ask you, if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you would make it in the rapture, if the rapture took place right now, would you raise your hand? You can put it right back down. God bless you. I want us right now to go, go to the Lord in prayer. And I encourage you. The altars are open if you want to come and pray. If you want to pray right where you're at, I encourage you right now. This would be the opportune time to ask God to come into your heart, to forgive you for your sins, and to make sure that your relationship with Him is where it needs to be. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Would you pray with me? Precious Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your power, your presence, and your anointing. We thank you for every person that's gathered here in this service this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you would touch and minister to the heart of your people. And I pray that you would lift up, that you would minister, that you would touch, that you would bless, that you would encourage. I pray that if there's any that's lost this morning, Lord, that didn't raise their hand, I pray, God, that you would tug at their heart through the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch and minister in their life. And Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart this morning. And Lord, as we pray and as we repent, God, we pray that every sin, every mistake, every spot, every blemish, every wrinkle, anything in our heart, God, that would stop us from going in the rapture, God, we pray right now that you would cover it with your blood, that we would be found righteous in your sight, that we would be holy and ready to be used and to be ready to be received by you. Lord, I pray that you would touch this church and that you would help us over the next several services, Lord, to bring the word that you have quickened our heart with. And God, that you would help us to visualize and see the last day things that's going to happen upon this earth. And Lord, help us to ever make us want to draw closer to you in everything that we do. For we thank you for your power, your presence, and your anointing that we have felt this morning. And we ask it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.